We're going to be in 1 Timothy 5.23 today, but we're also going to be looking at some of the scriptures we've been in in the weeks past. Proverbs 16.23, Hebrews 10.23. If you want to turn over to any of those, you can. There's a story of Morris, the loudmouth mechanic, who was removing the cylinder heads from the motor of a car, and he spotted a famous heart surgeon who's standing off to the side. He was waiting for a mechanic to get ready and to uh, look at his car. He wanted the service manager to come over. He had a Mercedes, and he wanted someone to come on over and take a look at that. So Morris shouted over to the, to the dock across the way. He said, hey, dock, is that you? He said, come on over here for a minute. So the famous surgeon was a bit surprised being called over, but he, he went over and walked over to where Morris, the mechanic, was. And Morris straightened up, and he wiped his hands with a rag from the grease that was on it. And he asked argumentatively, he said, so, Mr. Fancy Doctor, Look at this here work. I also open hearts, take valves out, grind them, put in new parts, and when I finish this baby, she'll purr like a kitten. So how come you get the big bucks and I don't? We're basically doing the same work. So the surgeon looked over at him and he says, Try doing it with the engine running. We're talking about doctors and medications today as we've been getting into the series on healing. Where do doctors and medications fit? Am I going against my faith if I go to a doctor or take medication? How does this all play into to what we do? The last couple of weeks, as we were looking at this series, we saw in Proverbs 16.23, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips that our heart should teach our mouth what to say. Too often our mouth speaks out of our flesh and it doesn't speak out of our spirit. We need our heart to speak out of our spirit. To let wisdom come from the Word of God and speak out of that. Hebrews 10.23 said, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who promised is faithful. A place that the devil certainly tries to attack us is to get us from to stop confessing our hope. Confessing the thing that we're believing for. But if you've got something and you're believing for it, don't stop talking about it. Don't stop confessing it. Don't get quiet. Keep it going. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 26. So then, my bro- beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. If you're slow to speak, that gives your heart time to teach you what to say. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So once we hear something, it should establish a belief and then a corresponding action. We need to do something with it. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but he deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Well, don't deceive yourself. Let what you're learning change what you're saying. Let your words be based on your belief. Don't just be looking into a mirror and forget what you look like. Remember what you look like. And go on the basis of that. Last week we looked at Peter walking on the water. That Peter stepped out of the boat because Jesus said something. What did Jesus say? Come. That word come enabled the power of God to be present for him to walk on water. And Peter was able to take advantage of that power. And he walked on water until he started looking at the waves. When he started looking at the waves, he started to go down. He didn't go all the way down, but he started to go down. Jesus caught him. So he asked you the question, is the power, was the power present for Peter to walk on water when he was sinking? Yes, Yes, it was. Jesus was still walking on water, so the power hadn't gone away. But he wasn't flowing with it anymore because his eyes got on something else. He began to look at the waves, but the power was still present. Healing power can be present in your body and it do you no good at all. You've got to believe that it's there. You've got to continue to work on that. you got to continue to feed it. Don't give up on it. Don't get quiet about it. Keep speaking based on your belief. 
When you are in the area of healing, it is really easy for you to get sidetracked and begin to look at the pain and the, uncom- the discomfort you have and whatever else is going on in your body. It's really easy for you to get sidetracked with that and begin to look out on these other things. But don't do it. The power of God is present in your body. You've received, when hands were laid on you, power for healing. And you can walk in healing. But you've got to keep walking in that. You've got to keep talking about that. You've got to keep speaking out of that belief. We want to elaborate on this as we look at the doctors and medications. Because folks get up in the area that they think, well, I guess I should just believe God and that's, that's about it. And you have diabetics who, get, who kick out their medication and then some of them die. So we've got to find out what's going on with this. Where do doctors and medications fit? Well, First Timothy, and we'll look into this more detail in just a little bit. First Timothy 5 and verse 23 says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Paul is writing to Timothy. He's telling him, take a little bit of wine. Why does Paul write to Timothy and tell him, take a little bit of wine? What's going on with that? Well, first off, let's go back over here in the area of confession. The confession of what I do not believe plays no role with God. Understand that. Confessing, confession of what I do not believe plays no role with God. God is moved by faith. He's not moved by confession. He's moved by faith. But confession that is based on faith does move God. The faith is what moves Him. But you've got to have faith in that thing. So confession of what I do not believe plays no role with God, but it may help me get in the realm of belief. It might help me get into the realm of belief. I might be able to step over in that. I can talk myself into believing. How many of you know something to be true? You believe something to be true, but you keep struggling with it. Up and down, up and down. Well, you get up there and you just start talking to yourself, telling yourself, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Pretty soon, sure enough, you'll believe it. How many of you have ever applied for a job that you thought you wouldn't get? And you get up there, you're going to go apply for it and talk yourself out of it. Talk yourself out of it. What you've got to do is talk yourself into it for a little while. Get up in the morning and say, I can do that job. I can apply for that job. They'll like me for that job. And you get yourself to the place where you believe you can apply for that job. And then you get in there and you walk on in. And you believe it. So confession can have a basis of that. But don't think confessing what you don't believe is going to have any effect on God. How many of you believe that this year you can make a million dollars? I'm not asking how many of you hope this year you can make a million dollars. I'm saying how many of you believe that this year you will make one million dollars? Now if you go around and say, this year I'm going to make a million dollars, but you don't believe it. Is it going to have any effect on God? Absolutely not. Now, you keep telling yourself, I can make a million dollars. I can make a million dollars. I can make a million dollars. You might be able to get yourself to the place where you believe it. And then you can have an effect on it. But if you're going to move God, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith and it's got to be in the Word. You've got to hear the Word, have faith, and go. So, confession of what I do not believe plays no role with God, but may help get me into the realm of belief. May help get me into the realm of belief. It is the words and actions of belief that move God or activate the laws. It is the words and actions of belief that move God or activate the laws He has established for my benefit. There's laws God's established for my benefit. And when I operate in faith, I activate them. You can activate laws that bring about benefit. Do not unsaved people activate godly laws. The law of giving and receiving. If I give, I will receive. Sowing and reaping. Cannot unsaved people reap the benefit of that? It's a law God put in operation. God put in operation a law of gravity. Do unsaved people benefit from that? There's a lot of laws. There's natural laws and there's spiritual laws that God has put in operation. And unsaved people take advantage of them. Now there are some you need to be a believer for. But there's some you just need to be operating on the earth and understand how it works. And you can get that thing going. Words and actions of doubt and unbelief can also move God or activate laws. He has established. But benefits for me, they do not contain. I don't want to activate those. But as I was meditating over these two principles here, I thought of this. It seems God is slower to be moved by doubt and quicker to be moved by belief. It seems God is slower to be moved by doubt 
and quicker to be moved by belief. Sometimes we think the other way around. How many of you all think, well, it just seems like God takes them so long to operate, so long to respond, so long to do something? But if you go through the Word of God, you look at Israel how many times, how long they operated in unbelief. How long did it take for God to act on the thing that they were unbelieving? Israel kept saying, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. We're going to die out here in the wilderness. God kept holding off, holding off, holding off, holding off finally. He said, all right, that's it. You got it. You're going to die out here in the wilderness. And they did. But when they got to a place of faith and belief, boy, he jumped right on it. God loves to bless his people. God loves to heal his people. God loves to do that. Take people out of the bondage and oppression that Satan has put them under. Loves it. As soon as he sees faith, he jumps right on it. When the woman with the issue of blood stepped in faith, how long did it take? When the woman from Tyre stepped in faith, how long did it take? God said, well, you know what? Come back in a couple of days. No, as soon as he saw faith, he jumped right on it. It seems God is slower to, move, to be moved by doubt and quicker to be moved by belief. The amount of untruth received determines the re- remedy of truth needed. The amount of untruth received determines the remedy of truth needed. How much untruth do you have on a subject? How much untruth have you received about God the healer? How much untruth have you received about God the giver? About God the blesser? About God the good God? About God... On any, any, aspect, any aspect of God that you can come up with, how much untruth have you received on that? You are going to need to receive a corresponding amount of truth to counteract that untruth that you've got. Now, if you have received no teaching on something at all, how easy is it for you to believe the truth? Piece of cake, isn't it? You get somebody never heard about Jesus, never heard about the gospel, and you go over there and you tell them about the gospel, about getting born again, boy, it's just as easy as anything. Get them saved. But you get a hold of someone else who's received all kinds of stuff, all kinds of false teaching, all kinds of things. Jesus is nobody special. Any way that you want to get to God is the way to get to God. They get all this kind of teaching out there. Then what do you got to do? Well, who knows that you have the truth? Who knows that Jesus really is God? And you've got to weed through all this stuff. The amount of untruth received determines the remedy of truth that is needed. So how much untruth have you received about the blessings of God in the area of healing? How much untruth have you received on it? How much has come into you? Remember last, last couple of weeks we also looked at the Scripture? Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Now, I'm not just talking about you hear the noise, but you take it in and you receive it. Take heed what you hear. You can always hear a lot of noise. There's a lot of folks that are out there spreading doubt and unbelief, but as soon as you hear it, you say, oh, that's garbage. That's garbage. It's the same thing with food. If somebody puts good food in front of you, doesn't it smell good? Doesn't it look good? Don't you say, hmm, I want to take this stuff. But if somebody goes into the garbage can and pulls out the garbage that's been sitting in the trash can for a couple of days, rotting under the heat of the sun, and slaps that on your plate, how many of you say, mmm, no, it's got a stench to it, doesn't it? It's got a bad smell. And you get that in front of you, do you have to eat it? See, you don't have to be careful about what you see, but you do want to be careful about what you take into your body. So you, you look at that thing, you smell it, Nope, I'm not eating that. I mean, there's even good food you smell and you say, "Uh uh-uh. Right? (laughs) Cooked cabbage is mine. I smell cooked cabbage. I'm going the other way. Don't like... I like cabbage raw. Don't cook it. Don't like it cooked. Put it in coleslaw. I'm good. But you cook it up and make that sauerkraut stuff out of it, I am out of the house. (laughs) I don't even want to be near it. Don't like it. And you all have certain things, you know, you just you don't, don't like the smell of. Some of you folks, seafood. Certain kinds of seafood or any kind of seafood. You just don't like it. I love seafood. I didn't know I loved seafood until I found out there's some people out there who could cook it. I found out this is really good stuff. But it just all, it all depends. But you can smell that. And you, no, I'm not going to take that in. It's the same thing with what you hear. Just because you heard something doesn't mean you take it in. You can reject it. You can say, no, I'm not going to take that one. 
Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Now understand this. I do not talk myself into believing as much as I talk myself out of unbelieving. I do not talk myself into believing as much as I talk myself out of unbelieving. Remember we started this thing off talking about disbelief. Disbelief is the rejection of the rejection of truth. I gotta stop rejecting that truth and begin to accept it. So I can begin to talk to myself, tell myself, no, come on, accept that truth, accept that truth. And I keep going over, accept that truth, accept that truth. But you gotta unlearn some things. How many of you, outside of scriptural things, how many of you had to unlearn some stuff? You had some belief in some wrong principles. You had some belief in some wrong things. Some of you believed when you were real young that if you could buy a car, that's all you needed to accomplish. And people would tell you, no, there's insurance, there's gas, there's repairs, there's maintenance. But you had this thing, you had it fixed. All I got to do is come up with a thousand dollars to buy a car. And you were fixed on that. One thousand dollars. Buy me a car. You got to a thousand dollars, bought yourself a car. Now you got to get the tags, the insurance. You got to get it inspected. It gets inspected. There's four hundred dollars for the work in order to pass the inspection. And then you got to, you know, gas. And then dad would come along and say, well, you've been driving that car for a little while. Now you ought to change the oil. Well, that's another 25, 30 bucks right there. You say, I don't want to do that. Well, you ought to take them on in and have them check the brakes. Why? It's stopping just fine. But all these other things come in, don't they? But you, just because you didn't have the belief in that doesn't mean that it wasn't true. You had a wrong set of beliefs and you had to take care of that. You had to change the way that that worked. Get rid of that old belief. Some folks are out there that say, well, I just can't wait till I grow up and I can move out and get my apartment. And they look at how much an apartment costs. Apartment costs seven, eight hundred dollars to rent an apartment. How many of you thought that when you were growing up? Seven, eight hundred dollars rent an apartment. If I can get to that seven, eight hundred dollars, I can rent an apartment. Mom and dad aren't paying for anything else. It's just, you know, it's just that, that, that room that I need. Then you move in, you find out it doesn't come with furniture. And no one else pays the electric bill for you. And then this other bill comes in the mail. What in the world is a water bill? You mean I gotta pay for that water that comes out of the faucet? I thought that was free. <laughs> And then you find out you don't only pay for the water that comes out of the faucet, but you pay for it to go down the drain. <laughs> and then there's heat. And you were always telling mom and dad, turn the air conditioner on. It's so hot in here. And then you got the bill. Turn the air conditioner off. <laughs> don't put that thing on. Right? You, you find out there's a whole lot more expenses than just that. You may have had the belief, but it was the wrong belief. Well, the same way, my belief in an unbiblical principle will not move God. My belief in an unbiblical principle will not move God. Which means it is imperative that we get rid of every wrong unbiblical principle that we believe. It is imperative that we get rid of them. As long as I hold on to unbiblical principles, I am hindering where I will go. I am hindering what I can believe for. All that's a hold, it's a holdback for me. Get rid of the stuff. That's why we need to get out there. You, you seek after teaching. You seek after exhortation from the Word of God. You, you look to read the Word of God, to study, to have the Holy Spirit teach you. Because every time you can get rid of an unbiblical principle in your life, you are opening up what you can believe for. Now, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick. Isn't Jesus saying that sick people need a physician? Mm-hmm. Well, go and learn what it means. I, des- I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We sometimes think God wants us to give up something, sacrifice something, do some kind of thing. 
What He desires is to extend, extend us mercy. That's His desire. God loves to extend mercy. He loves when sinners come up to Him and He can extend mercy to them. He looks forward to it. He's not so concerned about what you're sacrificing. He's concerned that mercy is extended to you. But Jesus is relating this to the, to the uh, work of a physician. If a physician is evil and against God, why does Jesus use them in an example? He acknowledges that they can help the sick, doesn't He? Does He ever rebuke you, Luke? For his uh, occupation? There is a Luke, you need to repent of being a doctor if you're going to follow me. Let me ask you this question. Can doctors heal people? Have you ever seen a doctor heal somebody? Sure, yeah. You go to a doctor and you say, I got this wrong with me. He says, do this, take this, do something. Doesn't it sometimes work? I mean, I know sometimes they're wrong. But doesn't it sometimes work? You ever been to the doctor and the doctor say, well, you know, if you take this, if you do this, if you stop doing this, it'll help you. And sure enough, you, you did it, you stopped doing that, you started doing this, whatever it was, and it helped you. So can doctors heal people? Sure. Do doctors bring about healing in the same way as Jesus does? Be careful. Just think on that one for a minute. Do doctors bring about healing the same way that Jesus does? Well, look, think of it this way. Doctors, first off, look for a lack. I just summarized this and maybe some of you more uh, uh, folks that are in the healthcare industry can refine this even better. But first off, doctors look for a lack or an abundance, don't they? You either lack this nutrition, you lack this function, you lack this thing that's going on here, or you have an abundance of this particular thing going on. Your body's making an abundance of this. You have a lack of blood pressure or an abundance of blood pressure. They look for something missing or present. Well, you should have this in your body, but it's not there. It's not, there's no lack. It's not there. You don't have this. Or you have a presence of a growth and that growth shouldn't be there, but it's there in your body. They have identified a presence, a cancerous presence, a tumor type of a presence. They've identified something. So, lack or abundance, something missing or something present, or something out of balance. Just out of balance. Just not, you, you got too much of this, not enough of this, so you need to get that balance in. Or structurally, you're just not balanced right. And so your muscles are compensating or different things will go on. Something's out of balance. Then they look to remedy that, right? Well, what do they do to remedy that? They remedy that with the knowledge that they have gained through study of their human body. How do they know that you lack something unless they've studied the human body to find out that it's usually in people? How do they know that this is out of balance unless they've come up with an idea that this is, out of, this is where the balance should be? How do they come up with that you lack this or that a lack of this can have this effect unless they have studied the human body. So they heal people by studying the human body and generally they study well people. You study well people to find out what makes them well so you can figure out what's the difference between the well person and the sick person. When you compare the sick person to the well person, you find out the well person has this, the sick person doesn't. The well person doesn't have this, the sick person does. We make comparisons on that. That's how they're, they're learning this thing. Well, what's Jesus do when He does it? Does not Jesus, when He went about to heal people, look for what they lacked or what they had an abundance of? Does He not look for what they are missing or what they have that they shouldn't? Does He not look for what is out of balance? And does He therefore go off and begin to do something to counteract that? Now, here's the difference. Jesus operated on a greater uh, authority. He had God speaking to him, telling him what was going on. And God understands our body a whole lot better. So God is operating at a higher level of knowledge about our bodies than a doctor is. But that does not mean that the doctor does not operate on a level of, of uh, ideas or uh, knowledge, doesn't he? So he has some level of knowledge. Fifty years ago was our... Knowledge of the human body less. 
Were we doing things back then that now we laugh at? Can you believe we used to do that to try and get people well? <laughs> one of my favorite shows, Star Trek, they made the movie. One of my favorite scenes in that is when they do the, I think it's in Star Trek 4. And they go back in time. And, the, and Bones is walking through the hospital and he comes upon this lady and she's sick. And he says, what's wrong with you? And he says, uh, I'm in for dialysis. Dialysis? And his comment was, what are we, back in the Stone Ages? Goes into his little black doctor box, uh, bag, reaches it for a pill, says, take this, you'll be, ta- you'll be fine. She took the thing, he's off taking care of the other situation. He comes on back, finds this lady, and she's screaming in the hallway, and the doctors are all over trying to figure it out. She's, I'm well, I'm well! <laughs> Why? Because they operated at a higher level of knowledge. At least, you know, when the writers put it in that way. They operated at a higher level of knowledge. Well, doctors operate at the best level of knowledge that they have right now. And the level of knowledge, as long as it is correct, will help you. But there's a level of knowledge that they don't have. And if they operate on a false belief, will that belief help you? It's false. If God says, that's a false belief, that one won't do any good for you. Then if you do it, you'll have some harm come to you. Have doctors ever in the course of human history, or even, let's just look at it, less than the last 50 years, have doctors ever thought that if they removed something from a person's body, it would help them to find out later on that it would not? Sure they have. What did they operate? They operated on a belief, didn't they? But it's a wrong belief. Have they also said, you know, if we take that out, we can help you. And it's helped some people. Sure it has. But just because they believe something doesn't make it so. It's got to be based on truth. That's when you've got to listen to things. And this is what God will help you out with. And so some folks, if especially in the Christian area, they think everything has to be divine healing. No matter what's going on in your body, it has to be divine healing. That's all that it has to be. Just get prayed for and that's the last of it. Well, let me ask you, if you apply that same principle to your car. You go out in your car in the morning and pray over it. Car be filled with gasoline. May your oil continue to be clean and filtered and function the way that it's supposed to. May your antifreeze be full and your brake fluid to overflowing. Do you speak that over your car? No, what do you do? Pop open the hood. You look underneath. Brake fluid's a little low. Guess we ought to put some in. Antifreeze is a little low. Guess we ought to put some in. Haven't put gas in a little while. You know, they give you a little meter on the inside of your car. You can look at it. Tells you how much gas is in there. They don't let you know about these things. They don't alert you to it. And when that's going on, you take care of the thing. Well, God has done the same thing with our bodies. He's helped us out with that. Do doctors operate on the same level of knowledge as Jesus? No. Do they operate the same level of knowledge as God? No. He's got a lot more knowledge. As long as what the doctors act on is based on truth, can they go against what God is doing? No. Because God is all about bringing your body into balance. How did your body get out of balance? How did your body come to a place of lacking something or gaining something? Sometimes it can be from the things that we ate. Did you ever eat something bad to cause your stomach to feel a little funny? What's your body do? Work to get it back into balance. Sometimes that means you throw up. Get rid of that thing. Body says, I don't like this. This isn't helping my body. I'm going to get rid of it. Then you throw it up. Get it out of there. Body's working to do that. Well, as long as the doctors are doing based on the truth of God's Word, it's going to it's going to go along with what God says to do. But sometimes they tell you something different. They'll tell you something different. If I take my eyes off Jesus, it has less to do with the doctors and more to do with me. It has less to do with the doctors, folks, and more to do with me. If you walk into a doctor's office and the doctor says, you need to do this. And all of a sudden, I look over at the doctor at the waves. And I focus on what the doctor has said. And I get my focus off of Jesus. Like Peter did. What happens? I start sinking. See, I have to be able to hear what people are saying around me, but keep my focus on God. 
What if a doctor came up to you and says, you're taking in too much caffeine. You need to cut back on the coffee. Well, come on, doc. I only drink 20 a day. I need them 20 a day. I cut it back from 30. Isn't that good enough? 20 cups of coffee a day. And then you want to go up there, I'm feeling jittery. Pray for me that I stop feeling jittery. I mean, come on, walk in wisdom. Quit drinking so much coffee. Knock it off. Now you can you can fix walk in the wisdom of the thing. The doctor can just tell you what you gotta do to get that body back in balance again. The doctor may say, You're not getting enough nutrition in this area. How much do you eat in the area of greens? Oh, I don't eat any food when as long as it's green. I only eat food that's brown, like meat and yellow. That's the only colors I like, so that's the only colors I eat. Don't don't eat anything green. Well, you need more more green leafy vegetables in your diet. There's certain nutrition you need to get from there. Isn't it odd that when a woman is pregnant, what is one of the things that the woman does that the husband has to help her out with? Cravings. Why does a woman have cravings when she's pregnant? And I mean, they're for, they're for crazy things. Right? Pickles and... Ice cream. Ice, ice cream. <laughs> I'm not sure what the benefit of that is, but... But generally, your body can crave foods that have certain nutrition about them. Because the body is just saying, I need that nutrition. And your body can actually crave the very food that will bring you that nutrition. How to do that? Body saying, I need this. Now, don't you husbands sit there and say, well, take authority over it. <laughs> no, go out there and help her out and get whatever thing is that she needs and get her to get that thing going. Sometimes as you're going on down the, down the road in life, you may have a craving for vegetables. Now, most of you would say, get behind me. Rebuke that thing. Get that thing out of your life. But there's a reason that that craving would come up. You, you need it. You know, every once in a while, I like a, a good glass of uh, V8. Because the more, t- more tuned in I get into my body, the more I find out, you know what, that's, that's ministering to something. That, that, that satisfies something. So I go out there, I always keep some V8 around. If you ever come into my office, I have V8. Always got it. Sometimes I'll up in my spirit and just come, you need some. I'll put it on in there. Now, I, I don't have vegetables in my office. But that's the next best thing. But I like vegetables. I don't, I, I, you know, I always joke about it at buffets. When I go to buffet, I go for one thing. Meat. I'm paying good money. I'm not getting vegetables. I'm getting meat. Now, when I come home, I'll eat my vegetables. Then I'll eat my fruit. But when I go out to the buffet, I'm getting meat. I will get my supply of meat for the whole week if I need to. But I'm getting myself some meat. And that's all right to do that every once in a while. But going out there and have some other stuff and, and balance it out. You've got to take care of your body. If you put nothing but junk into your body, it ain't going to perform. Now, sometimes you may be more focused in it. When I was running cross country, I was very focused in what I took in my body. I was extremely focused in on what I took in my body. I had it regimented to what I would drink in the morning, what I would drink in the afternoon, and what I would drink in the night. And I knew how many calories I had to take in. I knew how much I had to eat. I had all that sort of stuff down. And I allowed, during the season, I allowed myself two desserts a week. That was it. And the only dessert I would allow was ice cream. That was it. Two times a week I could have ice cream and all it would be was an ice cream sandwich. That was it. Because I wanted good fuel going into my body because I needed to produce a certain thing. And I was going to keep it balanced into that. So that's what I did. Now, I don't. I do more than two desserts now. I can do whatever I want to. Now, I'm not really going after the same, same goal, but I had a goal. And I was going to make sure that I focused in on that. But if you have a goal, you got to find out. God will give you wisdom. God understands your body, folks. You don't always have to understand it. The more you get tied into your spirit, you can just say, Father God, what do I need to do to fix that? God can tell you how through your diet even to help your high blood pressure. Help knock things down. Help build it back up. Whatever it is that you... He'll help you. There's, there's some foods out there that will help you get it done. Listen to your spirit. He's going to be in there. And if you can't listen to your spirit, sometimes a doctor will come along and have some good things to say. Be able to pass that on to you. Have some, some thought in it. 
But you know, anymore, we just want to have a prescription written. And we got a little lazy with that. I'll tell you, that's one of the most incredible things that people will do. I heard this example. So you go to a doctor whose names you can't pronounce, whose degree you've never verified. He gives you a prescription you can't read. You take it to a pharmacist you never met. He gives you a chemical pop compound you don't understand. And you go home and you take the pill according to the directions. <laughs> now that's faith, isn't it? How can you have so much faith in what man says and not faith in what God says? If the Spirit of God comes up on the inside of you and says, don't drink coffee for a while. Don't drink coffee. Don't ask Him why. Don't get Your body don't need it. If He says, don't drink coffee, okay. Don't drink coffee. You quit it. If He says, no more desserts, knock them out. Don't ask why. Do it. Get tuned into the voice of your Spirit. Know the voice of your Spirit when He's saying something. And He says, no more meat for a little while. Cut it out. And if, his, if he says, just do vegetables for the next couple of days, do it. Don't ask why. Just do it. Have faith. Have confidence. If he gives you a prescription, have the same confidence you do in the doctor. You don't sit there and say to the doctor, what's this all going to do? How should I do this? How's this? Don't do it. Have the confidence in God. God says, stop doing this. Start do this. How many of you have ever felt it in your spirit? Get out there and exercise some. And what would you do with that? Now, sometimes you listen to your body. And your body will say, how many of your bodies ever said, I'm tired? I was in a shop this week and I was standing for 10, 12 hours just standing, standing and doing stuff. And I got done, I'll tell you, my, my legs were sore. Just standing. I mean, I didn't stop and sit down. I just stood the whole time. My legs were really sore. So you know what I decided to do? Go out for a run. Because I know what that'll do. That'll perk me right up. That'll get me going. Now, I'll tell you what, that first mile was tough because, I mean, my legs were tired. They were, muscles were tired. I was putting a lot of stress on them the whole day, but more so than I usually did. I had to get a, it was on Tuesday, I had to get the whole, Tuesday or one of those days, I, was, I had to get the whole bed standing from the beginning to the end. From the morning until the nighttime, I sanded on that thing and finally got it done. Had to get it done. And afterwards, I was all done. Well, I still got to stain it, but I was tired. And my legs were tired of standing. So I went out for a run. That first mile was tough. That second mile got easier. The third mile was okay. It was a horrible run as far as time was concerned. But I got it done. You know what? Perked myself right back up. My legs were fine. Got in there, stained the thing. Got it all finished and got done. Stop listening to your body. You can't do it. Your body will tell you, you just need to sit down and rest. My body doesn't tell me that anymore. Because I kick it. What do you mean sit down and rest? Get going! Now, there are times you need to realize, you know what, my, my body does need a rest. Go ahead and listen to that. But you better be able to turn to discern the difference between your body telling you a spiritual need and your body trying to be lazy. Don't put up with a lazy body. Get out there and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to exercise. God's been telling me to exercise. If you exercise, it'll get you going more. It'll kick in. All kinds of stuff. It doesn't just make you better for that time. It makes you better overall. I have more energy because I, I run and I exercise. I have far more energy. I outdo people much, much younger than me. We go over there and play hockey. We play hockey for you know an hour and a half, two hours. We'll play hockey. And it's an intense space. You basketball players, you have no idea what hockey is. We have basketball players come over. We wear them out. We have ice hockey players come over who are leaning over the trash can throwing up. It is the nastiest workout you will ever in, in, encounter. Now, Lamar and I, we can play hockey from the time they drop the puck until the time that they all fade away and are done. And we cannot stop the whole time. Both of us. We don't have to stop. We don't have to stop for a drink of water. We can keep going. I'll keep going for the whole... I can keep going longer than they can. And I'm older than most of them. Not all of them. But I'm older than most of them. And I make sure that they know it. I rub it in on every once in a while. Come on, get going. You're supposed to be younger than me. Come on. But you see, I don't believe that I have to stop. I don't believe that when my body is tired, it is over. I believe I can keep going. Because I believe it. I can. So you've got to keep yourself going. You say, well, don't go out there and say, well, I'm going to have to go out there and run four or five miles, I guess, tomorrow. No, don't do that. <laughs> we may be coming over praying over a corpse, bring you back. <laughs> 
Don't go doing that. We don't want to be praying over corpses. All right? We want, we want you to be alive. Go out there. Listen to God. God's got a way to get you on an exercise plan. The way to work you in. It may just be going out there walking around the block. That's good. It may be a treadmill. How many of y'all like treadmills? I hate them. I despise treadmills. You will never get me on a treadmill ever. I have never been on one. Never will be on one. When I go somewhere, I want to go somewhere. That little dial on there telling me I went four, five, six miles, that does nothing for me. I want to know I went this far and came back. That has an effect on me. If it don't matter to you, to jump on the treadmill. You can go exercise in the air-conditioned, in the basement, whatever it is. Glory to God if you like that. I told you before, I'll pick the hottest part of the day and go run. I don't pick the coldest part of the day in the winter. I don't like that because that's usually at nighttime and or early morning. I don't like it at all. But I will pick the hottest part of the day and I will go run in it. Because I'm ready, I'm ready for heat. Heat won't wear me out. But you've got to build up to something. Get something going. If God's been telling you to exercise, stop disobeying Him. He's telling you that because your body needs it. When you exercise, you activate certain things. He knows how your body was made. He knows what your body needs. If you don't put into your body what you're supposed to, you get out of balance and you get effects that you don't like. Headaches can just be the result of something out of balance in your body. Even some muscle pains, and it can, something's out of balance in your body. Being tired, so you're lacking some kind of nutrition. Find out. Pray to God. Father God, tell me what it is that I need. If you're not spiritually sensitive enough to hear it, go to a doctor. Doctor, I think I'm missing something. You can even tell them. Dump my spirit's coming that I'm missing some kind of nutrition. Some kind of thing. But I don't know what it is. He may be able to help figure it out for you. As far as the knowledge is that they have. But you can get so tuned into your spirit that your spirit can come up and say, take some more of this in. Go on there and eat some beets. I don't much like beets, but I hear they're supposed to be very high in all kinds of good nutritional stuff like that. So, you know, if God moved on me, I'd go ahead and eat them. <laughs> but that's about the only way. I guess if you put it in a juice or something like that, that might help out. But here in First Timothy 5.23, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake. And your frequent infirmities. Well, they didn't have water purification places. And what I'm told when I look this up is uh, that wine, they would put a little bit of wine in with their water. Just a little bit. Put a little bit of wine in with their water. And that would actually kill the bacteria in the, in the water. Because if you take some bacteria in, you know what your stomach does to that. doesn't like it. Makes you feel it gets sick. Makes you get ill. So they put a little bit of wine in with their uh, water and that would kill, kill some of that. If they took wine in with their food when they ate, then sometimes the bacteria, because they didn't have all the, all the uh, things that we do to keep bacteria off of food, and so when they ate that food, that bacteria would be down there. That wine come in there and kill it. Apparently, Timothy was wrestling with some of these food issues and some of the things. Paul just said, take a little bit of wine with it. Nothing wrong with that. God put these things in there for a reason. Why did God give you an immune system if all He wants you to do is get divinely healed? You have an immune system. Why did God give you that? You know, there's foods you can take to build up that immune system. Well, medication can become my focus. I can get so focused on the medication that I get my eyes off of Jesus and I'm on the waves that have become the medication. And I'm looking for that to do my healing. So don't let it become your focus. Let the medication come in just subdue some of the waves that are around you. you got headaches. How many of you know it's hard for you to stand in there and believe God and have faith for the headache to go away when it keeps pounding away? It makes it tough. Well, don't get your eyes on the medication as being the healing. But if you want to pop a Tylenol or an aspirin, subdue that pain, and then get into it. Father God, I'm, I'm pressing into you on this. Now, I'm not saying that's the best way to do it. But if that's where you are, go ahead. Don't, just don't put your faith in it. But don't feel guilty. Don't be all that, get over there and, well, I'm, just, I'm not spiritual enough. Now, understand this. Man's remedies bring a side effect. You know Why? Because our knowledge isn't complete. But God's knowledge is complete. When He gives you medication, there's no side effect to that. No side effect at all. You ever listen to those commercials they have for the drug companies? 
Oh, man, the things that go on afterwards. I hear those, all the may cause blah, 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 all this stuff. Thinking, Dear Lord, why in the world do you want to take that? <laughs> oh, might cause this, that, the other thing. You might die. Our favorite one, though, was the, the sleep medication. May cause drowsiness. I thought that's why you're taking it. <laughs> we just laugh at that every time we hear it. May cause drowsiness, sleep medication. What else is it supposed to do? Well, the ultimate goal is to not need them. But until I reach that level, folks, meds might be able to be something to help you out. Doesn't the Word of God have a whole lot of levels, higher levels that you aren't walking in, but it gives you helpers along the way to get there? When you are not a strong believer, able to handle all the things that are thrown against you, does He not provide helpers, other believers to come alongside and help you and get you to a place where you are? Is your goal, is God's goal for you to be there where you always need help? No, the goal is for you to get strong enough to get out there and help other people. But in the meantime, He's provided helpers for it. There's areas that we operate in that we're ignorant of. Isn't the Holy Spirit given to us as a helper to enlighten us on knowledge and revelation? But once He reveals that knowledge and revelation, we can walk in the light of it. He's given us things to help us out. To get us over that place. Because you don't start where you end up wanting to be. You start down over here, but He wants to get you up over here. And so He's got helpers there along the way. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in tongues. What's that good for? Well, I don't know what to pray. Does God always want you to be in a state of not knowing what to pray? No. But in the meantime, while you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. But eventually you ought to figure out what it is you ought to pray. You know how to pray. doesn't mean you throw out praying in tongues. Praying in tongues has other benefits as well. But there's other places in the Word of God where our, our, we're not walking in love the way we ought to. We're not walking in faith the way we ought to. There's things that come along to help us out with that. To get us to that place. We're at a lesser faith area. We're at a lesser love walk area. That's not where God wants you to be at. But that's where you are. Realize I am here. And walk on with it. So medication can help you out. Just understand it's an aid. It's an aid. Don't ever look to that as the healing. If you know a diabetic, you are a diabetic every time you take that, ins- that insulin. Glory to God. Jesus is my healer. The power of God is working through my body to bring about a cure. I'm healed of diabetes. I'm not looking to that as my, the thing that I need. I'm not looking to it at all. So make sure. Don't look to medications. Don't look to doctors. But in the meantime, they can help you out. I may have to go to them because it's just something beyond me. And my pastor... I heard one of his uh, series he did in the last few years. I'm not sure when it was. But he was talking about a condition he had. He had to get an operation for. I mean, he was a pastor when I was in school. He's been walking with God for all these years. And he just knew when this condition came up, I'm going to get operated on. Now, he said before they ever opened him up, he, he even told the doctors, he says, when you open me up, you will find that this, whatever it was, growth tumor, whatever it was, he said, it's be totally encapsulated and you'll be able to get it all out. He already knew that in the spirit. Sure enough, they, they didn't know that yet, but they opened them up. Sure enough, that's the way it was. Operator took it out. Now, it didn't hinder his faith at all. It wasn't a problem. Well, why couldn't you just pray and believe God and get out of that thing? Didn't bother him at all. Don't, don't let it bother you. Don't go looking at other believers and say, well, they're just not such a good believer. Yet they're over there getting operated on, taking drugs and medication and seeing doctors. You don't worry about that. You just go on. If you get to a condition and it's beyond where your faith is, what your level of belief is able to take care of, thank God for doctors and the knowledge they operate in. I mean, I'm glad they're not working with leeches anymore. <laughs> actually, I guess some places actually have gone back to that. So can't quite say that anymore. This is in your outline. Confession cannot replace obedience. Confession cannot replace Obedience. It cannot replace it. You can confess all you want that this is going to be this, that, or the other thing. doesn't make any difference if you are walking in disobedience. Obey God. If God says, Steve, stop drinking tea, then I'll have to stop drinking tea. 
He wouldn't tell me, Steve, stop drinking coffee because I don't do that. But if I did, and he said it, then I would stop it. If he said, Steve, no more ice cream. No more Oreo cookies. No more meat. Then I need to obey. I need to hear what it is that he says and obey. So just listen to him. Just listen to him. Doctors, medication, God's put them here to get you along to a place where your faith will help you out. Don't despise them. Don't look down upon them. And don't look down upon those who use them and their knowledge. But understand, their knowledge is limited. God's knowledge is complete. God knows this body of yours because He made it. He knows what's lacking. He knows what it needs. And He will tell you what you need. Listen to Him. Don't go against Him. You can confess the Word all you want to. If you are disobeying what God says to do, it's not going to help you out. God says, get out there and exercise. He's saying, down the road, you need to have a problem coming up. You need to be out there exercising now. Get out there and exercise. Get the benefit of that exercise. You better listen to Him. Don't keep putting it off. And then when you get it stuck in the situation, oh God, I need to get healed. God will say, did you obey me? No, sir. Now, thank God there's forgiveness for messing up. But I, I, I don't, I'm not going to try and define all that for you. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it is that God does in, in those things, but don't push it. If you know God's telling you to change your diet, change what you eat, change how you act in your actions, your you know, walking, getting some kind of exercise thing going on, get out there and do it. Listen to God. God will have a way for you to get it going. Listen to Him. Get it started. It'll be good. God will help you out with it. And you'll be ready. You can face whatever it is. Your body may feel fine and God still may say, take this, do this. Vitamins, supplements, you want to take them, go right ahead. Our food is done in such a way now we don't get as many vitamins. Don't believe the cereal box that tells you that you have 100%. That's when they made it. A year ago. It loses its value pretty quickly. The best nutritionists are the ones that are built in, not the ones that they add on. You want to go out there and take some vitamins? Go ahead and take some vitamins. That's not working against your faith. That's saying, God, you made this body to work a certain way. I'm going to put those things into it. Just like your car needs oil, your car needs gas, your car needs antifreeze, your body needs certain things. And God will help you to get those things. Help your body out. Give your body what it needs. You all stand up. Father, we thank You for the health that we can operate in. That You have provided all kinds of nutrition, all kinds of fruits and vegetables, all kinds of meats and things that give us the nutrition that we need. I thank You that we can hear from You and listen to You to get the things that we need, that our body needs. When You tell us to refrain from something, to start something, to eat something, to get something, well, listen, we're attuned to what you have to say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.